Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us for this hour, Missy Clifton, our host, Tom Dupree. And we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So this is the super group Toto that was formed in 1977. And uh, they had all been session musicians in Southern California and decided to form their own group. And, you know, the, the guitarist was a guy named Steve Lukather, who I would sort of put middle of the pack. But the drummer was a guy named Jeff Porcaro, P-O-R-C-A-R-O, Porcaro. His father, also a famous musician uh, named Joe Porcaro. Jeff Porcaro is the real deal. There's Guitar players are kind of a dime a dozen, but a good drummer that can really lay down a beat is hard to find. And there's different uh, videos of Jeff describing how he comes up with a certain beat uh, or, or they'll call it a groove it's what the drummers call it and it he's talking about triplets he's talking about how he uses the hi-hat symbol which is the thing that goes ch -ch, and, and two symbols come together he uses the tom toms. He's got floor toms. He's got toms up on the up on the drum kit, and he, of course, the snare drum. And he'll hit it sometimes on the edge. It's called a rim shot, or just hit the drum straight on. This guy Jeff Porcaro really kind of made this group. If you listen to some of their songs, uh, there's a song they did called uh, Rosanna. And uh, it starts out, it's just the drum beat, and then it gets into it. But So I'm getting ready to go to Northern California next week uh, for three days to visit uh, a, a tech investor group 
that I've become acquainted with. And they invest in startups, and they use a lot of uh, technology to decide who they're going to invest in. So that I'm going to be staying in a little place just south of San Francisco called Montera, which is down on the beach. It's halfway down to Half Moon Bay. It's not <laughs> downtown San Francisco. It's a beach town. Uh, but I, I have to go to some meetings in San Francisco. Anyway... The politics of the area have really poisoned not only certain urban areas, but the whole state. The first time I ever really went to California for a lengthy period of time was probably back in the 80s. I spent a lot of time in uh, Los Angeles, drove through all the areas of Southern California, and I was amazed by the size of the economy and the diversification. At that time, the economy of California by itself was something like the sixth largest economy in the world. That's just the economy of the state of California, which is a lot bigger than people realize. But the uh, boy governor of, uh, of uh, California, Gavin Newsom, is deciding that he's good-looking enough and smart enough to try to run for president. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And But first, I'm going to read from the Psalms, and I'll get it to it in just a second. Psalm 31. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for a house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me. For thou art my strength. Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. So Gavin Newsom is going straight at Ron DeSantis. I actually think he's taking on the wrong guy because I don't see DeSantis getting there to the nomination this time around. But Newsom, you don't you don't agree with me there? No, no, I was just uh, it, it, I'm curious as to why in the world Gavin Newsom thought it was necessary. Why, why did he go to Florida and give this speech? What was the well? You- there's a narrative within the Democrat Party that Florida it represents everything that's wrong with conservatism. Uh, it's 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 very interesting. They have come up with this narrative that Florida is like Germany in the 1930s or something. It's like the rise of fascism and Nazism and that sort of thing. And then they get there, and they, of course, there's a lot of blue liberals in in Florida is less conservative than California is liberal. In other words. You know, with all the things that go on in California, probably stolen votes and and all this kind of stuff, you know, Newsom wins 60-40, 
Whereas where they play it clean in Florida or have to, you know, uh, DeSantis wins, what, 53-47 or something. So I think Newsom, in his pride and Ubris, believes that he has a bigger mandate in a bigger state and that the state that is the most like his state in the U.S. is Florida. You know, it's got a nice climate, that sort of thing. A lot of people, rich people go there. He likes talking to rich people. I'm, I'm guessing that California is nicer to the Disney entity than Florida is oh, has been to the yeah. Disney entity. But if you look at where Disney World is, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry, Disneyland, it's down in Orange County, which theoret- or over the you know last several years was more conservative. But I don't think any place in California is very conservative unless you get out in the way out into the middle of the state. Uh, and that's pretty much desert area. The The biggest population in California is obviously along the coasts. So anyway, Gavin. So he wasn't an invited speaker. It says it was a surprise visit to Sarasota's new college. Yeah. The new college is a place in Sarasota that's, Sarasota is a beautiful town, very old. Pretty, uh, huge, old, big old houses, lots of very interesting Victorian-style buildings. And this new college is a – it was kind of an experimental thing. You remember we drove by it when um, James, our son, was in, in Bradenton. You know, we were staying in Sarasota one time, literally blocks away from new college. Elizabeth, my wife. Yeah, I do remember it. And so... I also remember the fabulous, fabulous 30-acre um, estates. That we walked around, had all the... Um, had lots of... Uh, statues and things. Well, and right on the water. And they belonged to... Um, I can't remember which family that particular either. one belonged to. But just really, it's a beautiful area. Yeah, it's an older area. And this new college is in smack dab in the middle of it. And... Wasn't that the Ringling Estate? May have been. Yeah. Here's the impetus of this article, the American Spectator um, article by uh, Kyle Saroyan, Sayoyan, Sajoyan. Gavin Newsom may be just the culture warrior governor Democrats need to challenge DeSantis. That gives the California governor a chance of complicating the 2024 race. All right. Here's the thing. They're going to do anything to find somebody other than Biden. <laughs> you, you, are, there was an so article. Yes. We established that fact. Let's just get that one. There was an article that said, you know, Biden was still contemplating his run. Yeah. And, and that, you know, it was, it was looking positive. It. Hadn't come out yet. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. They might be calling you, Missy, to get a little bit of. Oh, mercy, mercy, uh, a mercy. Of, a little bit of advice. Okay. Despite diamet, so so Newsom is going on the offensive. He's taken the game to DeSantis in his home state. Why? Because he feels like that he has a message that should resonate in in uh, in Florida. I mean, after all, Charlie Crist nearly beat DeSantis two races ago. If you know who Charlie Crist is, he's he's a wacko. He actually works for 
Morgan and Morgan. Now he's he's an ambu- he's he's a high class ambulance chaser. But anyway, um, so Charlie, you know, so we only this last election did it go more convincingly for DeSantis, and that's because he took Dade County, which is getting more conservative. People don't realize that, but it is. Palm Beach County, it's never going to be that conservative. Broward, same thing. But those are the big counties. If you can swing one of them, and then with all the red areas in the rest of the state, you're going to win Florida. You're going to you're going to win it 52-48, something like that. You know, with California, all you do is just sign up all of the illegals and people to vote in Los Angeles and San Francisco Bay Area. You know, you got Berkeley and all. You're going to win it by 60 to 40 out there. What does a population look like in California now? Because during the whole COVID thing, a lot of them migrated to different Nevada and Arizona and places like that. So what does that do to the demographic I bet there's close to 40 million people living in California. Well, maybe not that many. Maybe 30 30 plus. Because the reports were that the population dropped dramatically. Well, it, it didn't. I mean, because <laughs> there's so many people coming across the border. Uh, it's still massive. And it's still an incredibly beautiful place. And there are places, there are more places in California that are run sensibly than there are that aren't. You know, there, Southern California is massive. I mean, when you're flying in there at night, if you're flying into Southern California at night, you start seeing lights, lots of lights, like urban lit up lights 40 minutes before the plane lands. Maybe 45 minutes. You come in from the east and Pomona and those places that are out way out in East L.A., you start thinking, oh, we're getting ready to land. No, you're flying another 40 minutes. I mean, it's just, it's it's very big. And and so... Uh, well, the- certainly if you're, I mean, if you are a, if you're not a conservative and you are, you are grabbing on, you know, grabbing on to the, the abortion, transgender, uh, you know, immigration issues, and if, if you are all about, you know... Um, Opening the door wide open, California is the place for you it's to where go. you want to be. It's where you want to go. And but I want to talk a little bit about Northern California because that's where the real. So San Francisco was always the New York City of the West. It financed in the eighteen seventy. Mark Twain writes about it. It financed the gold boom. That's where the financings came from, not New York City, California. San Francisco was was the area. That's where it was all centered. It was a financial center. Now, it was a little bit wilder and woolier. You know, you had Wells Fargo, which was the big bank. Bank of America. Bank of America's roots are in the immigrant community Italians primarily, 
in San Francisco. That's where B of A started. Who, what was the first Visa card called? Wasn't called Visa. What was it called? Bank AmeriCard. You remember the, you remember the Bank AmeriCard? The very first consumer credit card that wasn't an American Express card was called a Bank AmeriCard. A lot of big financial things happened in San Francisco. Another thing is that Charles Schwab, who, whose father was one of the major uh, movers and shakers in Wall Street, that firm was founded in San Francisco. Also, Blythe & Company, which later became Blythe Eastman Dillon, for whom my grandfather worked, that firm was based in San Francisco. It had a thriving, large financial community, not dependent upon the East Coast. So, naturally, you had this elitist class that was there, namely the Getty family, Getty Oil Company, the Getty Estate, Gordon Getty, Patty Hearst, Hearst, uh, the Hearst Broadcasting and Publishing, and, yeah, publishing right. media companies. You had large, very deep Italian Chinese populations um, that came there and realized you could make wine. People from all over the world. Northern California, an incredible drawing card. It was... It, L.A., Los Angeles, that area was mainly a big orange grove. I mean, it was, you know, you, you, you just had a lot of citrus fields down there. Northern California is where the power was concentrated. That's where the power is concentrated for the Democrat Party. It's where Nancy Pelosi is from, the Gettys, uh, big... Uh, See, Gavin Newsom, he's friends with all these people. Diane Feinstein, Northern California. So it's going to be interesting to see what a it, mess, mess they've made out of it. It's funny. Um, we had some friends that uh, moved to Snohomish, Washington, and they had their California plates, and their car kept getting keyed. <laughs> they could not get their California plates off of their car fast enough. Probably not. I'll, I'll, I just I remember I used to have um, on my on my phone it was a it was a you know social media post that said uh, what's the difference between California and the Titanic? The Titanic sunk with its lights on. Oh God! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, I just I don't understand. What, what, so so you know, it sounds like it had you know. There's great history there, and and you're you're wonderful for remembering it all. But I, when did it become? I'm the, glad you the think literal, I'm wonderful. When did it become? I the, need to hear that. The hot spot of liberal ideology, and and not even just kind of liberal, but you know, talking about. I think some of the roots of it were in organizing Hollywood. No, organizing. Uh, agricultural workers back in the uh, probably 30s and 40s. Um, you had uh, Che Guevara. You, you, had a, you had a very a strong movement to organize uh, 
wine grape growers, things like that, it gained a lot of. Uh, and in in Northern California, you know, you had Berkeley, you had all the bigger institutions of higher learning, Stanford. They're all in the Bay Area, so you had all these think tanks up there. And whenever where, wherever there are quote academics, you're going to have uh, left wing thoughts. And concentrations of money also tend to corrupt the mind a little bit. And and so I think there's elements of that. I find it a fascinating area. I've uh, been there about three times. And, you know, I'm going to go right downtown to the Tadich Grill, which is the third oldest restaurant in the United States. It's got the longest bar. It's like a hundred foot long bar, and I'm gonna sit down there and have me some sand dabs, which are it's like a saltwater bluegill that they have in the bay, and then maybe some abalone, which is a shellfish, because I am not gonna let the fact that those guys are still in business. I can get my butt down there and go have dinner at their restaurant. I'm going to. You gonna wear a mask? <laughs> Good I think that's grief. over with even out there. <laughs> you are listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton. We'll be back in just a few minutes with the second segment. If you'd like to come in and let us take a look at your portfolio, we'd love to do that. Call us at 859-233-0400. As always, it's complimentary. You can also schedule an appointment on our website homepage. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the show. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the hour. Joining us, Missy Clifton, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Okay, get, just turn that back up. This is this song is all really, in my opinion, Jeff Porcaro. Porcaro. It's the drum. It's the it's the drum groove on this. This guy is so professional. He passed away several years ago. He's from a musical family. And uh, he really analyzed and would be very detailed about he about how he laid down a drum beat, and then these other guys just kind of fill in the blanks. I mean, that's my feeling. He's the guy that really drives that band, Toto. And he drive. And I tell you what, pull up for the outgo. Pull up that song by Toto called Africa. I will see yeah, what I can you, do. You get that because you, you listen to the very beginning of it. It's all the drums. Anyway, what a what a guy. I mean, what a talent. And this is stuff I just like to look at because I would really like to just do a music show. I mean, to me, that's that can that's be what I really like. That, can be, that can be arranged. That's right. I, 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 that's I know, I know like a person being, that can hook you up. Who? You know, well, I'm say. sitting in front of a board, uh, right. and it has a record. We got another story we want to cover because Missy's got some stuff to go with here. Uh, the, before before we get into it, I, I just want to say, just for the record, we we seriously, and it, this kind of introduces what you're going to talk about. But we do live in a very strange world when you have. Oh, you think when you have a gunman that kills children, and it is not about those kids. We're not talking about those children that lost their lives or the or the adults. We are talking about the trying to preserve the, the identity of the transgendered gunman. We live in a strange world when a female athlete who is trying to address a crowd that she gets shot down, she gets Talking about Riley Gaines. Riley yeah, she Gaines. She didn't actually get shot. No, no, I'm sorry, I don't mean yeah. shot down. Yeah. Meaning, excuse me, poor, shouted very down. poor, shouted, very poor choice down. of words. She gets down. shouted down. Harassed. Harassed. Chased, and and it's more about praising the protesters and not because they Riley are, Gaines. They are, quote, oppressed. So let me just get on this thing here, and you're going to get to go with this. This buds for they, them. So whether you, if, I don't know, I don't ever assume that, the folks who are listening have been looking at the same websites and listening to the same stories as, as we do. But the Bud Light executives have come out with this well, it's advertising. Bud Light, it's Nike, it's well, Oil of LA. We're only going to talk about, we'll talk about Bud, Bud Light, Light right now. Uh, the And I, I listened to the young lady who is the head of their corporate communications, and, I mean, you talk about woke. But anyway... So these people have infiltrated these big brands. And Bud Light came out with this campaign uh, involving this uh, transgender uh, guy slash girl named Dylan Mulvaney, who uh, is now uh, going as a woman who was a, a male. And they've actually put his, her, they, them's picture on uh, uh, the Bud Light can. This has provoked a huge backlash. Now, here's what I think is going on. It's being said 
that the C-suite executives did not know this was happening, and now they're upset. I don't buy that. Now say that again. What the that the top executives? Okay. The the CEOs and people at uh, um, uh, Anheuser Busch, you know, did not know that they were going to use this transgender person in their advertising, and that they are upset about it and that whole thing. I disagree. I think they knew, and now. You have to be able to have, uh, this happens in the military all the time, deniability. So somebody goes on a mission knowing that if it backfires, uh, they, the government's going to have to say, we didn't know about that person over there. What I think they're doing is it's, it's a deniability thing. If you're letting a major advertising campaign go out without your knowledge, the head that needs to roll is not the advertising uh, department's head. It's the CEO. Now, I'll give you an example. In 1985, Coca-Cola introduced what they called New Coke. It was a new, different uh, formula. It tasted different. It was, it was called something different. The minute it hit the shelves, it was a total fiasco. Bob Gazietta, Gazietta, who was the president of Coke, essentially, he took responsibility. He said, you know what? We screwed up. We're going to phase that out because by then, some people actually liked it. It was kind of like I've got in my um, desk a bag of latte-flavored uh, uh, laced potato chips. Caramel latte flavored. That, those, you know. That sounds gross. Uh, it, I've got it there as a collector's item. Okay. So I've never opened it. But the point is, the executive, the CEO said, it stops with me. We made a mistake. We're going to fix it. Uh, within a few years, Buffett made a huge investment in Coke at the time, which is now worth about 25 times what he paid. He's now getting more in dividends than he was than was his original investment. Getting more in dividends every year. Back to this. Yeah. So So how does this happen? It happens because everybody in the upper realms of management, government, finance is embracing the woke ideology, which includes transgenderism, which includes ESG which is uh, uh, the green movement, which also includes DEI, diversity. Um, Equity and, and inclusion. inclusion, right. Except for, interestingly enough, historically black college and universities. None of those have DEI things because they're not considered that they could possibly be racist. Interesting. But anyway, so... As, well, the, a, as the, a mother, the, I want to just say this. As the mother of young women who were swimmers, who competed in women's athletics. Uh, one was just, two were swimmers. That, okay. But, but, well, okay. That's they're fine. all athletes. Yeah. They competed in women's athletics. that be you. And then now you've been published uh, as to your 
belief in what's going on. I'd like to get your thoughts on on some of this stuff. Well, I think the 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 interesting observation from a, a you know a general overall is that how we have come to a situation where we are celebrating confused individuals who are now altering their genitals and resigning themselves to a lifetime of pharmacological intervention because that's what that that's what it's not like it's just just take care of it and everything's done we're not like you just whack it off and suddenly you're a girl okay okay? yeah i mean in other words your body we are exactly despite the fact that you lose your your, you know, your testicles or whatever. Nature that, will always try to correct itself. There's going to be other sides itself. of your body that chromosomally will keep trying to produce those hormones. Well, as I said, we're not, we're not just tolerating it. We are celebrating it as a society. And here's the really strange thing that I have noticed that bothers me the most. There is a absolute feeling of recruitment. It's not just celebration and tolerance. It's about recruiting. There is a real effort in making it look beautiful and easy and attractive. Listen, let me tell you something. So for all these confused The gay community has been doing this for years. And people say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know. that." No, it's been going on. I've seen it happen here in Lexington, Kentucky for a long time. A lot of these old queens that have been around – They've been recruiting young guys for a long time. I know it goes on in that realm. I think with lesbians, it's a little different because sometimes their sexuality is a little more fluid. They can go back and forth between being a lesbian and, uh, and well, I've just seen it. I mean, uh, you know. I I can't even go. I can't can't talk. I've lived downtown for a long time, and I've known a lot of people. So I speak wherever I know. But this thing that you're saying, you're talking about recruitment. I agree recruitment. with you. Yeah, and, 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 and it's happening. Well, let, let me talk about why I think it's recruitment. Because if you go and you look, um, for instance, th- there seems to be almost the root of the trans issue, I think, lies with corporate, almost corporate extortion that is what's going on. You know, they are holding corporations hostage that if they do not fall in line to the new DEI on steroids, those DEI initiatives. And if you go, what is DEI? Diversity, Diversion, equity, and inclusion. And, inclusion. and that includes including everything. So, so, so if, unless you're a historically black college and university, which I think is great because they don't, you know, they can go and do their own thing because they're black and they couldn't possibly be racist, you know. They, so, go, if, if anybody is even interested, I want, People have to understand how organized, how organized the efforts are. So, for instance, go under uh, it's it's HRC, it's Human Rights Campaign. So, www.hrc.org, and th- this is one of the largest LGBTQ civil rights organizations that they are so organized and have demands and recognitions and you know have uh, the special rights uh, and the ways to get them and the the talking points and the Q&As and where to report people and you know along with that they have like corporation equality indexes so that they've gone in and they've ranked corporations to show how DEI friendly they are you know yeah. on and we're not just talking about that men and women we're talking about the you know 
everything, the, the everything that, that is currently going on in society. So that, that's kind of on, you know, a bigger, uh, you know, a, a more, I mean, a, a bigger discussion point is that these people are organized. This, these, this effort that we're all seeing is organized and it is, they're making headways. I remember um, as a um, as a retired official in USA Swimming in 2014, and I actually shared this story with the Independent Women's Forum just recently, um, which they included on their website. But I remember being in the officials' break room, and in 2014, one of the biggest topics that was going on was the transgender bathroom issue in high schools, in, in schools, not just in high schools. Yeah. Um, and that was that was really it was starting to make uh you know it was it was it was gaining um you know it had it was gaining a lot of uh on media it was um you know th- there was there was articles gaining a lot of headway a lot, a lot oh lord it was it, it it was it was a discussion point that a lot of people were talking about um <laughs> and the funny. interesting pieces is that also in 2014, the American Medical Association came out with an article that said that they completely supported the fact that regardless of anatomical presentation, you should be able to put on your birth certificate your, your identity. If you, so it didn't make a difference what you were anatomically. You should be able to identify, you know, so, so that surgery was not necessary. And then... As I was in this interview, you know what? Had, it, it became that that discussion had started having had legs. So explain to me what the difference is between if you're identifying as something. What's the difference between identifying and being? It's gay like a kid or being. I mean, it's just it's well. There's all a big so move. I tell you what's going on in a lot of schools. You're seeing kids identify as cats. Um, They're furries. It's yeah, the furries, and they. They have to, I don't know whether they require a certain pronoun be spoken to them, but this is in every school. You have a group of kids that have decided they're cats. You know, um, when a society, and this is going to sound really fundamentalist, but it's kind of true. When a society abandons a notion of right and wrong as exemplified by God, higher power, final authority on things. And we say, no, the final authority is what we say it is. Then literally anything goes. You don't have anybody talking. There is no Billy Graham these days. There's no, he used to be kind of the moral conscience of, of the, the country, you know, but if you don't have somebody saying we have got to look at objective reality, if there is such a thing, which I believe there is, I don't think the law of gravity has been repealed. I don't think nature has reversed itself and decided that it is not what it was created to be. I think there's a bigger hand, but when we reject that, as a society, and we demonize those, there, there's things in the Bible that says, in the latter days, that which is good will be considered evil, and that which is evil will be considered good. And I think we're there. I, I think 
once you get away from objective reality, a belief in any kind of ruling um, ideology that might be defined as law and order, law immutable laws of morality and nature and how things work, then you can create your own, quote, truth. But the problem is you're living in a world that's constrained by physical reality that ultimately you cannot alter. Well, speaking, that's, that is certainly the bigger picture. Um, you know, go, circling back to Dylan uh, Mulvaney, which is where we started this conversation. Um, Dylan Mulvaney, interesting character. Th- this, this is a man that is nothing but a career attention seeker all of his life. I watched multiple videos of him. He was on the Ellen show as a man. He was on The Price is Right as a man. And his it, it it's almost as though this is his fifteen minutes. Was he of fame. as a gay man on there? He, very, very effeminate. Yeah, but he was a man, and and it just you know, but you know, a gay man is a is a dime and a dozen. Hey, got to be something. Let's yeah. let's up the game. Let's right. transition to female, and let's make this our. I mean, I'm telling you, this is a career attention seeker. Sure, and he has now his. This is he's, he's made his fifteen minutes of fame. Well, there's a certain politician that, let's just say Central Kentucky, that ran for an office as a non-gay person, but tried to hide that, and then did not uh, succeed there. The second time around, this person embraced the gay identity and won convincingly. There are people out there that will use uh, issues of sexuality to advance their own cause, irrespective of whether they're gay, straight, transgender, or whatever. It's not about sort of promoting that oppressed group. It's about advancing their own career. And I know and have seen it happen firsthand, know the players, know it happens, you cannot ex- you can't tell me or talk me out of the fact that it doesn't happen. Well, let, let me I and here's here's where I take issue. So, you know, Nike also paid went entered into a paid uh partnership with Dylan McMavaney to uh promote their sports uh bras, their Nike sports bras. And I loved one of the comments from a gentleman that said, "My wife is a pediatrician. She is a marathon runner. She is the mother of three children. Hey, how about celebrating a real woman? Forget it. There, our friend Matt Walsh, who was on this radio station for years, has done a movie that I think is going to—it's going to—it's going to have legs for a long time. Called "What Is a Woman," and now young women like your daughters are being told that. What a woman is, is undefinable. All right, you all, let's wrap it up for this hour. I wanted to let our 7 o'clock listeners know that um, there was a station mistake last week for the Proctor Hour, and we're going to re-air that in its entirety in the third hour today. So make sure and stay tuned for that. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton. We'll be back with the Financial Hour in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.
fight. The moonlit wings reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation.